about to say Glenn Archer had had a very good quarter and suddenly O'Loughlin beat him pointless and uh, set up Jared McVeigh for another Sydney goal. McKernan roving brilliantly to his own knock. If that's a goal, it's a great one. That is magnificent from Corey McKernan. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Stern Look. I'm your host, Ben. Uh, next panellist is reporting in from the wilds of Perth. Welcome, Greg. Good evening, all. Now, I'm very excited and honoured to introduce our guest for this for this show. I'd like to give a warm welcome to an absolute legend of the North Melbourne Football Club and Premiership player. Welcome, Corey McKernan. How you going, boys? I thought you were going to welcome someone else if you are going to say a legend. <laughs> oh, you're too modest. You're too modest. <laughs> we'll move straight into word association before we start with the interview. So I'll, I'll hand that over to Greg. Okie dokes. Um, I'll start with you, Ben, to yep. give Corey an idea how it runs. Okay. Uh, Jack Stringer. Essendon. Dustin Martin. I most. Jake Lever. Money. <laughs> ben Brown. Legend. Josh Jenkins. <laughs> Goose. Yep. That's about how I expected. Okay, so uh, you're okay with these, Corey? Yeah. Usually, this okay. is all doing it in reverse. Usually I'm used to doing word association at the end, but you've gone straight in. Oh, no, it works us, works us out for a bit of a... Um, a bit of a warm-up, actually, so it gets us going. Yeah. So. <laughs> okay, Dennis Pagan. Uh, I would say, with hindsight, legend. Okay. Brad Scott. <laughs> uh, improving, maybe. <laughs> okay, I think we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, Todd Goldstein. Uh, needs to find his best form. Okay. Braden Pruce? Uh, can can be a gun. Okay. And last one, Shannon Grant. Uh, Norm, well, what can you say? Norm Smith medalist. Pretty, yeah, I think pretty boring answer, but... <laughs> <laughs> I think he stole it from you, to be perfectly honest, but um, that's a different discussion. <laughs> All right. So, Ben, uh, do you want to take it away? Yeah, thanks, thanks for that, Greg. Uh, before we start getting into the football-related questions with Corey, I should have asked him about this pre-show, but, Corey, would you like to give a brief rundown of your new business venture, Element Entertainment? Yeah, well, it's... It's not really that new. It's like whilst I was still playing football, which is a long time ago now, uh, I wanted to do something that was every bit as good as playing football. And I was, you know, I mean, either fortunate in the way that um, my last few years I was playing football, I worked at Elite Sports Properties, uh, which was owned by former Collingwood Premiership player Craig Kelly. And um, yeah, I, I did work experience in events and. That led me to, yeah, working in events for the last 10 years. Uh, been to the US Masters, I think, for the last 10 years in a row. Been to the Super Bowl five or six times. Um, ran our grand final lunch that has really started off 
I think we started at the Leveson in 2004 or five, and I think this year, once again, we're up around 1,000 people. So, um, yeah, I think I've, I mean, post-footy post career, I've been like, pretty lucky with the, the things you get to do, but I suppose that luck only helps uh, through a bit of probably good planning as well. Sure, sure. Righto. Well, we'll get straight into football questions now. That's what everyone's after. So first question for Corey. How did it feel when Dennis rocked up at Carlton in 2003? Oh, look, it was unique. It was, uh, look, it was a unique situation that I'd obviously left North Melbourne to go um, and, yeah, further my career at Carlton and, I mean, I'd had a pretty successful year. It was at Carlton, won the best and fairest. And, yeah, it was. I think that's what it is. It's a unique situation that, you know, when Dennis ended up coming to, to Carlton. And, um, but I think, I, I don't know, I think everyone sort of maybe looks at it a little bit differently to what I do. That you know, I mean, I was, I think the, the best way to sum up with Dennis and I, we didn't get the best out of one another uh, from a work situation. So I left and... It just so happened that he followed me. So, but I think in terms of uh, the the lasting legacy that Dennis had on all our lives and about working hard and not getting in front of yourself and there'd be a whole multitude of things that you know, I mean I'm forever grateful and I know probably a lot of guys at North Melbourne you're forever grateful that you know, I mean the impact that Dennis Pagan had on all our lives because when you look back at it it was a pretty successful period. So. <laughs> It's interesting. So you would have had a few sprays over the years from Dennis. So what's one of the better ones? Uh, one of the better sprays I've had off Dennis. Um, oh, look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't narrow it down to a, like a, a single spray or anything like that. I think, look, I, I think the bit, the biggest thing with Dennis, and he probably admit that it was probably just more the intensity that Dennis had, the entire time that he was coaching and. In some ways, that's what made him so successful, but it was also probably in some ways detrimental, you know what I mean? But I think I think everyone that passes across paths with Dennis, whether it's in football or outside of football, they can see one thing that, that sums Dennis up, that he's very passionate and he's very intense about if he decides to do something, well, I mean, he goes at it 100%. And I mean, even nowadays, I still, I mean, you read some of his posts that he... Who would have thought that Dennis Pagan of all people would be on uh, on social media? But you actually you actually read some of Dennis's posts and what he says about you know what I mean you, you could actually know that if you didn't know that that come from Dennis and you actually read the words you you pretty much know that that would have come from Dennis Pagan and you know what I mean I think um, yeah like in terms of uh, like I mentioned before I think the lasting legacy that he had on a lot of people's lives and Look, I think that period of sustained success at the North Melbourne Footy Club, I mean, wouldn't have happened if you didn't have someone like Dennis in charge, albeit, yes, he was pretty intense, but, I mean, got the results on the board. Right. Okay. Um, So when you obviously hurt your shoulder in the 97 prelim, did that have any impact on the remainder of your career in terms of, you know, recurrence of that injury or mentally have any sort of effect on you? No, not really. Like the biggest thing that, that probably had an effect on me was more the fact that it, it it mucked up my pre-game routine that 
I used to love going to play golf before games of football. And when when I when I dislocated my shoulder, when Nathan Burke and uh, and Brett Cook tackled me, don't worry that they look they they for me really went in my memory bank. I I, I don't mind when guys uh, tackle you when you play footy, but when you spruik about it afterwards as if you meant it, you know what I mean. If and, and sure. to be honest. St Kilda that night. If you couldn't beat North Melbourne that night, let's 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 face facts. Going into that '97 Grand Final when they were all cock-a-hoop, there's no Wayne Swass, there's no Glenn Archer. There, John Longmire hurt his hamstring. Adam Simpson was playing in the ruck in the last quarter. I got injured. You know what? If you went into that, <laughs> if you couldn't beat us that night, you know what? You 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 would have been kidding yourself. And I still remember when they. When they walked off the ground, and you know, I mean, it was like they won the grand final. They beat us. And when you talk about, you know, I mean, one of the lasting things that what Dennis Pagan said to me, and I saw, I think it was Mark Bickley, um, that when they had the anniversary, there was the special on Foxtel about when the Crows had won the first grand final. And I still remember to this day, Aussie Jones, at home, eating his wheat bix. And he had Channel 7 around in the morning of the grand final eating his wheat bits. <laughs> and if there's one thing that Dennis Pagan said to us, always do, always keep your routine in finals exactly what you do in a normal game of footy. So when I, I mean, when you add up how cock-a-hoop they were, you know I mean, after beating us in the prelim, and then when you see Aussie Jones at, you know I mean, 20, 21 years old, and he's got Channel Seven around his house while he's eating his Vita Brits. <laughs> I don't. I sort of, you know, I mean, it. It may seem like again, and that's probably the Dennis Pagan in me. But you know what I mean. Keep your routine exactly the same. Do the things you usually do. Don't get too far in front of yourself. You know, I mean, when they beat us in that game, you saw it for mine. You saw a team that got in front of itself. You know what I mean, you go, well, hang on, guys. You, you know, I mean, you take Robert Harvey, Stuart Lowe, Nathan Burke. Out of that team, do you think they beat North Melbourne? Yeah. I don't think so. So, right. <laughs> you know, so it was. Look, it was. It still comes back a little bit to that. I know it's a long, long answer, but it's a. Uh, yeah, that again is still that. Um, that lasting impression that Dennis left on us. Like, can you imagine if I had the cameras around my house before the '96 or '98 or '99 Grand Final and. I don't think I don't think that would go on down I'd to pretty you know what, but here's the thing. I would have known as a player because of what Dennis I wouldn't have even thought about it. Yeah. I mean you wouldn't have even you wouldn't have even dared entertain it. Now I know that might it's it seems extreme that like Dennis would have but you know what? It was actually good because in the end we knew that the right and the wrong thing to do. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I, like like you said, I couldn't see a I couldn't see um, Dennis allowing that for any of the North players, whether it be whether it be any of the twenty two or any or even or even any of the squad members. I'm sure that they would have had to have prepared just the same as the rest of them. Um, well, that's what I mean. It, it didn't matter who you were that you. I don't know. No, even even to this day, like you'll have teams that. Um, like before local league grand finals, and you know, I mean, whenever I see them getting teams getting special haircuts and wanting to do special dinners, and you're going, well, hang on, I still remember before the '96 grand final that me, Matty Cap, Matty Capuano and Stewie Anderson on the Thursday night we went to the show. 
and then people couldn't believe that we're at the show and, you, oh, it's the grand final, you should be at home. And you go, well, what do you mean we're doing what we usually do? I mean, yeah. it's like do whatever you usually do. If grand final week, you go to mum and dad's house for dinner, we'll do that. If you go to your girlfriend and, I mean, you're going to go to the movies on a certain do what you usually do. And I think that's the biggest piece of advice you give anyone that's going to play in any big game of footy. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, well, sort of keeping on that sort of theme about, um, about you know, getting ahead of yourself, not that I think that it, well, it does kind of apply here. Um, in terms of using 1998 as a, um, as a uh, motivation for 99, was there anything that sort of differed in the lead-up to 98 and... You know, did it did it have in it? Well, was it part of the effect of the um, grand final panning out the way it did? Um, oh, look, I think there's probably a few factors to my look. Uh, uh, to borrow a famous Dennis Pagan line, if you if you only had whiskers, you'd be your uncle. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if we yeah. kicked, yeah. If we kicked two goals eleven in the second quarter. In all honesty. We probably should have been up by 10, at minimum 10 goals at halftime. And yeah. it doesn't matter what team you are, you're not going to win the grand final from there. But, you know what, full credit to the Crows. We gave them a chance. The only thing in hindsight, but we should never put ourselves in that position, is that we we did play, um, I think it was something like 10 or 11 night games leading into the grand final. And I often do wonder, um, look, we... We'd actually changed, um, not that I'm pointing the finger, but I know that we'd changed fitness guys at the start of that year. And I often wonder if we if we had had, I mean, David Butterfant that ended up at Collingham, if we had Butters that maybe he might have sensed that and we might have had a daytime, I mean, a real intense daytime session in the lead into the grand final. But, <coughs> excuse me, um, but in all honesty, it should never have got to that point. You know what I mean? If you kick two goals 11 in, in, in any grand final, like if, if we kick seven goals six or six goals seven, all of a sudden you're up by 50, 60 points at half time, and no team's ever going to come back from that. Yeah, no, fair point, fair point. Okay, on to Brighton Matters. Um, what do you think was your best home and away game that you played for North Melbourne? Best home and away game? Yeah. Um. No, I don't know. Like it, it, it's hard. I think with us because, like, we played, we played so many Friday, like Friday night games and really big games, that I think enabled you, you took the confidence from those, those Friday night games and you turned them into playing well in the final. So, yeah, I don't think there's, I mean, there's probably a number of games. I think the most important game. Um, whether it was the best, but I think the most important game for my development would have been the 125th anniversary game because it was only my fifth or sixth game of footy. And then to go out and play in front of 76,000 people against your team you backed for as a kid and <laughs> pretty and pretty much get best on ground was so, I think, important for me because then I went, you know, I, every time I played in front of a big crowd, I could draw on that experience to go, you know what, I've done it once. You go back to the well and you do it again. So there would have been. Yeah. I don't know. There's there's certain games that were huge home and away games. That you know, I mean, in terms of the occasion and playing Friday night footy and 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 you know, I mean in the lead into finals. But 
maybe if I had to narrow it down, I think, like I said, it wouldn't be the, the best game statistically, but I think in terms of playing well, there was no Wayne Carey, I think, on that night. And I mean, to go out in such an important game for the footy club, you know, 125th anniversary, I think I ended up with three Brownlow votes. So not that that's the be-all, end-all, but it was a really good game that I played and, and it enabled me, you drew on that confidence that every time you played in front of a big crowd, you went, yeah, well, I've got the confidence to go and do it again. Sure. Oh, okay. No worries. Uh, yeah, my memories of that game were pretty pretty vague, but I do remember you having quite a special one. So that was a, that was a quite a quite a big game, obviously. Okay. So who do you rate as the best player that you would have played with at North Melbourne Football Club? Uh, oh, look. You know, this is probably. Well, obviously, there's one that's head and shoulders, but then the other one, well, the other two, really, but I think, obviously, Wayne, it goes without saying, is, I mean, is obviously the best without sounding cliched, but I think people underestimate the way that Wayne used to prepare for games of footy and the impact that it had, I know, on me and the rest of the footy club that, yeah, I know, you, you, you guys saw the end result, but you didn't see the extra training that he'd do and the way he prepared himself, yeah, we all didn't mind having a beer after the game, but when it came to our preparation during the week and doing everything possible, I think people underestimate the effect of what Wayne um, Carey had on the actual footy club. Yep. And then I think the other two that are for mine on a par, I, I definitely, with Wayne Swass and um, Anthony Stevens, who for mine, I mean, I think even with Swatter, that he won two best and fairest when Wayne Carey was becoming Wayne Carey. And I still think now to this day, it's an absolute disgrace that Wayne Swass is not in the AFL Hall of Fame. It's yeah. it's ridiculous. Like, it is utterly ridiculous that a guy that's, you know, I mean, won best and fairest when Wayne Carey was becoming a gun, played 280-odd games, won a best and fairest in another club as a premiership player. I don't know what else you have to do to get in your Hall of Fame, but... I would like to think that that bloke, and <laughs> thankfully the other bloke in, in Steve-O, who was probably the most consistent player, I mean, was day in, day out. If you, when you said, I don't know, Arch said it a, a few years ago, if you had to pick someone first, well, you know, he might be the, the most fashionable player, play with his socks down and would have that stupid look on his face. And <laughs> but, you know what? Like when it came to... It, Game in, game out, delivering his absolute best. There was none better than Steve-O. And I was so, like, I pushed his case to as many people. I remember saying, like, how is, how is Steve-O not in the AFL Hall of Fame? Dual premiership player. Um, one best and fairest. You know, I mean, didn't finish out of the top five so many times. And then thankfully he's in. I think it took Mark Brayshaw to make a video to get him in there and say, listen, <laughs> why isn't he in there? Well, if Steve-O's in there, well, why isn't... You know what I mean? Why isn't Wayne Swass in there? So sure. hopefully yeah. Swatter gets in there in the next couple of years because really those guys, you know I mean, and especially North Melbourne during the 90s, and then the other guy that probably gets, I think, glossed over for the impact he had on a lot of players was even like Johnny Blakey. You know I mean? Johnny Blakey, you know I mean? People forget that he played nearly 150 games at Fitzroy and then played another, <laughs> just yeah. lazy, another 220-odd at North Melbourne <laughs> to boot. And just in terms of... You know, we were so lucky that in the end you threw all these guys together at the one time. And, you know, I mean, to have all these guys that were so professional in their, provo in, in their approach, but 
we're just all wanting the ultimate um, in terms of, I mean, team success. Right, right, awesome. Um, so you, you, you alluded to the fact that the boys didn't mind a beer after the game and a little bit was made of that sort of culture during the 90s. But did you find that it sort of galvanised the group or was it, I mean, obviously not being there, was it a case that everybody was a big group of mates or was there little clicks here and there? Um, just interested on the social side of the uh, of the club in that period. Oh, look, it just basically meant that it was, well, I'll give you an example. If we had come the end of the year when you had our end-of-season footy trips or well, other clubs were envious about, yeah, how it would be the entire club together, not just ones, twos and threes. And that's what Essendon were genuinely, genuinely envious of. You know I mean? The, <laughs> you had Matthew Lloyd and James Herb, but in, I think it was Lloydy, like, he'd ring Wayne Carey and try and work out oh, why are you blokes <laughs> so close. Well, it was no secret. Like, in the end, it was, it was just all a really good bunch of guys. And, you know I mean, it just meant that, you know I mean, and then the thing is, no one was above anyone. So no one was sacred um, in terms of who they were. So from Wayne Carey down to the new guy at the club, everyone was pretty much equal in terms of, um, I mean, you, if you did something silly, we had the you had the Mickey taken out of it. You know what I mean? It didn't, and that and that was probably the strength of um, of North Melbourne like during that period that it was. I mean, yeah, we didn't have the best facilities in the world, but. I mean, people were envious about what we created in terms of a, a like a culture, and people talk about leading teams now. And I've heard Wayne say many times, and it was so true that, like on a Friday night after a game, if you played a good game, well, you walk up to someone and say, "Listen, don't get too far in front of yourself," and you know I mean, they let you know that yeah, there was always going to be next week, and if you'd had a, a not so good game, well, it'd be you know. Don't worry about it. We'll have a beer tonight, and then we'll get back on the track and be fine. So it was a very basic model of leading teams, albeit, you know, I mean, you've got a beer in your hand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so who would you rate as your toughest opponent? <clears throat> the bloke you're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, look, I, I don't reckon, in, in all honesty, with the benefit of hindsight, like, there's no one that really... Like I would have looked at and really feared, like that I didn't think I could beat. It was just, um, you know, I mean, there were guys that were genuinely hard. Like I always, you know, I mean, when I first started, because I was a lot leaner and stuff like that. When I had to play on someone like Justin Madden, it was six foot ten, and you know, I mean, it was so hard to get around. But I, yeah, there were, you know, I mean, opponents that I'd have good battles with. Like you know, I and mean, I, I really used to work myself into a frenzy every time I used to play. Spider Everett, and you know, when I went through a stage, you know, I mean, where I'd really, I'd really pants and killed her, and yet, what what mucked it up is that once I met him and then found out he he wasn't that bad of a bloke, it totally stuffed up my pre-game. So, <laughs> um, but look, I, I think, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what I know. Look, someone like Wayne might have his battles against him and Jakovic and these sorts of guys, but like genuinely, when I was in that right frame of mind, you you didn't worry about who you were going to play on, your, your thoughts were, well, you know what, if I actually do everything possible, they've got to worry about me. So, and I think the more you had that mentality, you're going, you know what, if I actually execute the way that I know I can play, well, they've got to keep up with me, not I'm worrying about what they're going to do. And that's, 
I mean, the more you're in that state of the state of mind, the better you play. Sure, sure. I think uh, Ben, you've got some questions there, mate. Yeah, mate. I'll give you a bit of a break there. So, <laughs> in terms of opponents, were there any that you just utterly disliked over your time, just with a passion, or just disliked in general? No, well, look, like the one I, I just mentioned, Mike. I think for a while that, yeah, it's sort of in a way that. I think sometimes with your opponents, you're actually better off not meeting them because you actually build it up in, in, your, in, in your mind that they're going to be the worst guy ever and they're, they're just basically a shit bloke. And, you know, I mean, like I mentioned, that in the end, I actually did meet Spider, who, you know, I mean, for a number of times I played against St Kilda, I went through a stage where I was actually, you know, pretty much getting best on the ground every time I play against them. And then when I actually met him, it, it totally stuffed up everything then. <laughs> So in a playing group How does it sit with the rest of the players When big dollars are spent on an outsider So a few angles obviously Such as if the recruit doesn't perform Or if the players aren't happy about that Or do players just don't really care I don't think the players actually really care Like I know for example Not that no one uh, from our point of view, I mean, when we knew we had the opportunity, which was sort of coming towards the end of our success, but when we knew we had the opportunity of potentially getting someone like Lee Colbert, okay, we knew that maybe Colby was going to get money, but I don't know. I think the better teams actually look at it vastly different from the outside world, that you're more in that mindset of, of going, well, hang on, this is actually going to make our group better, so let's do what we need to do to get him in, and if he's getting paid good money, well... So be it, because at the yeah. end of the day, you've negotiated your own contract and you're, you're happy to get what you're getting. So if someone else has done a better job getting what they're getting, well, you know what? It's bad luck. Yep. Fair <laughs> enough, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Do plus players still feel part of the club? If not, why? If yes, how? Uh, I think the best thing that if you're a current day player is just come to the realization that when you when you're finished, you're finished. Like don't don't sit there and think that the club's actually going to do things for you because it's not it's not going to happen. Like, and I think the more you can drum that into current day players, yeah, the club would help you if you got into um and like a sticky situation and, and they don't want to see their past players not succeed. But I think the more current day players, not just North Melbourne, the, the more you come to the realisation that the day comes that when you've served your purpose, that's it. They're not going to ring up a year later and ask how you're going or, I don't know, I mean, things may happen in your life. I mean, you, you're done and dusted, really. So the more you can get it through your mind that they're, they're not going to be there, yes, they want to make sure that you're okay, but I think it's just... I think that's what players nowadays and any player that plays AFL footy, that you, you go into the system, you'll serve your purpose, and then once that day comes, well, you want to be ready to come out the other side that you, you've got things in place. Yeah, that's good. Interesting. Which yeah. <laughs> modern players would you like to have played alongside in the 1990s, the current players North? At North Melbourne now? Yeah, or even AFL in general if you run... Don't have too many. <laughs> oh, look, I think you know, I mean even someone like um, Jack Jack Zebel would have you know, I mean would have been fantastic in our side the way he went about it. You know, I mean 
it's hard to see where Jack, you know, I mean, where he would have played, whether it would have been on ball, but even, you know, I mean, he would have been brilliant, you know, I mean, even up forward, like, I know that you had a, a pretty big fall line, but he, yeah, I think players like, like Jack Siebel, um, like even Ben Cunnington, like Ben Cunnington sometimes just reminds me of a right-footed Anthony Stevens, you know what I mean? So, um, like there's, I, I don't know, and I think some of the players that you would have loved to have played footy with that even played for other clubs, like you even think of like Michael Voss or Jonathan Brown, I mean, Luke Hodge. Um, I, I really like those guys that can bring a group together, you know what I mean? Even someone like Stephen Kernahan, who uh, it, it's, yeah, it, to play with guys like that, and it's probably why I do love the style of leader in the Wayne Carey, Luke Hodge, Jonathan Brown type mould, because in the end, they're the guys that you, they could not get paid as much money as another superstar, but just their ability to bring a group together and, I mean, at the right time, I mean, say, right, I mean, get that balance right and say, well, look, boys, yeah, we haven't had a good time of it. Let's go for a beer together and, you know what I mean? And sometimes the, you look at over the journey, all the leaders like that have all, you know I mean, had had a lot of success. Yep. All right. Very good. Do you think there is a negative narrative by the media towards North and why, or do you not really pay attention to the media much? Um, I, look, the, I think the thing now that what we've got to get right, and the biggest thing that, what James Brayshaw, and I've actually said this to James this year, I said the biggest thing that James Brayshaw gave us and the biggest thing that Ron Casey gave us was an actual voice. And at the moment, like I think we have, I think we've lost our voice. You know, I mean, we, I know we've got Ben Ben Buckley there and Carl Delina and the guys there, which from an off-field point of view, you know, I mean, financially we're actually going better, but I don't know how we address that that issue that, you know, I mean, where we have where we have got someone that can... I mean, speak up for us, and I think it was very, very underrated, like the, what James did, and even what Ron Casey did. You know, I mean, it just gave you that presence in the media that, you know, I mean, it, that stuff that you're alluding to. That, you know, I mean, we're, we're not going to be kicked around, and if something happens, well, you've got someone that speaks up and actually, you know, I mean, can yeah. refute some of the stuff that happens. Yes, definitely need that stronger voice in the media. It's yeah. It's shocking that we haven't done much about it, but that's the way it goes, unfortunately. So, do you keep in contact with many of your past teammates from over the years? Uh, yeah, probably the like the one. Yeah, I mean, you still see lots of guys around. Probably the one I see most regularly is probably I still see Wayne Carey, probably the most out of anyone. Um, I'm just about to um, embark. On a, you know, I mean, next, what are we, next March, I'm doing a, a bike ride from Sydney to Melbourne uh, for Wayne Swoss's foundation to raise awareness for Pucker Up, which is his mental uh, health organised um, enterprise that he's doing. So, you know, I'll be on the bike again and doing a lot of training for that when, when it rolls around next March. No worries. Just one last question for me, then I hand it over to Greg. What would you change within the club today, and if so, why? What would I change? Anything off-field, on-field, anything you would see that would benefit the club in the longer term? Well, I don't know. Look, it's it's hard. It's pretty hard from the outside without without being down there. Like, I mean, I, I, 
I think anyone from the outside can say, oh, they should change this or should change that, but without like really knowing the um, the workings of the inner sanctum, look, I, I think they maybe if they had their time over the game, they'd probably handle the whole boomer and I mean the way that they let those let the guys go because where we were incredibly fortunate and and I don't know whether the whole when uh, Brent Harvey and Drewy and um, Spud when they they retired I, I think where North Melbourne have been fantastic is like during the 90s we had Donald McDonald and then that whole culture of yet yeah, got passed through to Darren Crocker Craig Scholl Wayne Carey. I mean, then went to Arch, Steve-O, Adam Simpson, got passed on the boomer. He was so good in terms of that transition every single time that everyone understood, I mean, the the way you go about it. Like, I nearly vomit any time when someone says about Shimbana spirit because, in a way, it's, it's bullshit. All it is, it's just the way that you actually go about your footy. And yeah. that's what was so good over the journey. And, you know, I mean, I just felt like we sort of – we cut it off a little bit too early, like in terms of letting those guys go. And, you know, I mean, everyone's got their opinions on it, but they were just mine. You know, I mean, in terms of everyone seeing it from the outside, thought it was a big move, but I just felt like at least keep one of them, like just keep one of them there that could at least sit there with Jack and, I mean, just, you know I mean? Yeah. I think even that, you know I mean, remember the Friday night footy game from this year. Like, I, 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 that was probably... One of the most disappointing North Melbourne games I've ever watched in my my time, and I don't know whether going into that Friday night game, like surely, do these guys get explain the importance of performing well in, on Friday night footy, like and having someone like Boomer there, or you know I mean, explaining yeah. that. I know they had Andrew Swallow there, but you know I mean, who explains it to them when you know I mean you're playing these games and go, listen, we we own Friday night, we started it. So this is our time to shine. You know, we need to show everyone that this is what it means to us. And to go out and get beaten by like 50 points and not fire a shot, that one was as, as disappointing probably North Melbourne loss. I know the guys would have been disappointed about it, but it's probably a long time since I'd uh, been as disappointed in watching North Melbourne. And I know a lot, a lot of North Melbourne people felt exactly the same way. Sure, sure. Okay, um, we, we touched on this earlier. Um, what do you think about Brad Scott's two-year extension? Oh, look, I, I can see, you know, I mean, why, why the club's done it. You know, I mean, I think they wanted to get in early and, you know, I mean, provides a bit of stability. But I think it's just going to be, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting time for the for the footy club. I think, you know, I mean, we've got a lot of a lot of kids that obviously we've played over the last sort of twelve to eighteen months, and now it's just going to be an interesting time. I think for the footy club, and I mean, it's. I think every footy club, it's about selling hope, and you know, I mean, showing everyone that yeah, these decisions that we have made by you know, I mean, letting guys go and playing a lot of kids. Well, you know what, we've we've actually got to prove to everyone that you know, I mean, I don't want to go to the footy, and you know, I mean, there's only eighteen, twenty thousand people there. You know, I mean, and that's the way we're going is going to be direct reflection of the hope that we're selling our supporters. So I just hope that we. We've got it right, and you know, I mean, people are going to show up in their droves and show that. And you know what? It's not just on the scoreboard. Like people will go if we can actually see that there's a, a way forward. That hang on, the kids that we have got are having a real crack. And 
if any time you go to the football and your team has a real red hot go, I think I mean we go every single week. It's not I mean it, the scoreboard in a way becomes a little bit irrelevant. Yeah. Yep. No worries. All right. Um, these next two are probably linked, so I might actually put them together. Um, obviously, as an ex ruckman, um, you seem to well, it seems to be quite common where many ruckmen will reach a peak, sustain for a little bit, but then drop away quite considerably. Um, why do you think this is the case? Um, what, you mean in, in case of, like, Goldie? Oh, well, he's one example, but then there's also someone, say, like, Will Minson or or um, Ivan Marich. It just seems to be a... Uh, a trend where I thought, I, one minute... I thought, you were, I thought you were actually talking about good, Ruckman. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, okay, so yeah, um, I'd probably argue that um, Goldstein is a bit above the other yeah, two. Yeah, I know. But... <laughs> oh, look, I think it's... Look, I think it's, yeah, when it, when it comes to Goldie, I think, um, yeah, look, it's, it's well publicised. There might have been a few... Um, not that I'm privy to what's going on, but it seems like there might have been other issues in play that was a combination of how he was feeling physically and then I think also from a, a mental point of view. You know, I mean, there might have been other things at play that... You know, I mean, and I use even Jake Stringer from last... You know, I mean, when he played in the finals last year, like, you know, I mean, he played with a torn... Um, you know, I mean, he had basically a torn shoulder. You know, I mean, and no one would even know that stuff when he got dropped. They wanted him. Yeah. They knew he had a torn shoulder, but they wanted him to go back into the reserves and tackle. I mean, it was quite yeah. you know, even hearing that, and they're the, they're the sorts of stories that we don't know from the outside. What I've always said that the stuff that happens in a, in a footy club, people don't even know that from the outside. You're only seeing the end result and trying to make guesses and assumptions about how someone's playing. And look, at the end of the day, I hope. Look, I know it was mooted for a while that we've obviously got a like a real, real good talent coming up in Braden Cruz, but I genuinely hope that they, I mean, they're not even thinking about trading someone like Goldie because seriously, it's only, what are we, 18 months ago as the All-Australian Ruckman. So they don't grow on trees and I would like to think that there's got to be a way. I, I would love to see North Melbourne buck the trend, even with our two big blokes, and go, we are, let's find a way where we can make them both All-Australian. Well, not just yeah. one of them, like which what usually happens at every club. Let's come up with a way that they're the most fearsome big guys in the competition because Goldie can certainly do that with how he goes about it. But Braden Bruce can do that and, and honestly put the fear of God in people. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think yeah. he's only going to get better. So you know what? From a from a big a big guy's point of view, we we've seriously got some of the best big guys in the competition. Like we've got Benny Brown, um, we've got Braden Cruz, you've got Goldie. And, and for all, you know, I mean, I've sort of been a bit of a, a Mad Jack fan, which I know there's a few people out there are going to laugh at that, but I don't know, I've, I've always sort of felt with Mad Jack that if you, if, you, if you knew he was going to play, like in the ruck, for example, just let him, but you can't do that. It's obviously because Goldie's there. I mean, sometimes yeah. people thrive on the responsibility of actually just knowing you're going to go, you know, into every game of footy I play, they know, you walk into a game going, you know, I can relax, I can just do my thing. I mean, and you look at some of the, the glimpses that Mad Jack gives us, but albeit I can understand he probably why, I mean, he probably frustrates some people because 
yeah, he'll take mark of the year, but then there's other games where he doesn't get near it. But I think it's just been a more of a circumstance thing where you try and to expect someone like Madjack that probably hasn't played footy all his life, but we're trying to make him, I mean, okay, go and play in the ruck for a bit and then go down forward and take a mark and read the play. That's that's not the easiest thing to do at the best of times, let alone if you don't know the game and as well as like yeah. most people do. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so on that, you obviously hinted that you think we've got some of the best, best tools in the game. Do you, do you think we're that far off um, a period of success or do you think that it's going to be a bit of a hard slog for a few years or? Well, um, like, honestly, no, <laughs> no one knows. If you said yeah. after Hawthorne won their third flag in a row that the Western Bulldogs are going to win the premiership, and then the one yeah. after that, Richmond are going to win it. And they would yeah. have said you would have had, you would have, <laughs> you would have been on a Mad Monday permanently if they, if you had said <laughs> that, that would have happened. You know what I mean? So, sure, sure. Yeah. I think what's, it's interesting, and I think teams are sort of as much as the game is methodical, but you know nothing ever. The game really hasn't changed a lot for all the, all the different things that people try and bring into the game, because really. Nothing's changed. If you've got a coach and you really want to play for that coach and you believe in that game plan and you can execute it at the point end of the year, it is a pretty simple game footy when you get to that end of the year. If it's like contested footy, all the things that haven't changed over time. I mean, it, and that's probably why September, that the September footy, I, I, I could not watch footy for the rest of the year, to tell you the truth. But when it comes to the finals... I know that we all know that the game becomes more pure. It's more contested footy. You know what I mean? In the end, might be biased, but you need a lot of quality big blokes in September. You, they need to stand up and play well. Like You need a good ruckman. You need a power forward. You need a gun defender. If you haven't got those yep. things as a building block, it's pretty hard to win it. Yeah. Yep. All right. Um, okay, so if you had your time again, would you have um... – Concentrated on a golf career or a footy career? Uh, I look, I never, I look at it this way. I played footy because I was really good at it. Maybe. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I played golf because I was really good at it. Sorry, played footy because I was really good at it, whereas I played golf because I loved it. You know what I mean? So they're two different things. So, you know, I don't regret doing either like I would have liked to think whatever I would have chosen I would have been successful but I mean how can you I mean with the experiences that we had it's it's amazing like when you actually look back and think about it that really like 1991 I got talked into playing footy and then next minute five like less than five years later I'm on the MCG playing well in on the biggest stage of all you know I mean so it's it's quite funny how I mean when you talk about before with the Richmonds and the um, Western Bulldogs of the world. Well, sometimes as players, like um, I can't even remember the guy's name that played for Richmond this year. Like I mean, it's his fifth game of footy, kicked three goals in a granny last year. Yeah, he was drinking, he was drinking beers grand final day. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's amazing how I mean how quickly things can turn around. And you know what? Like all those teams that are outside the eight and didn't even make the finals, or teams that are just off it. You, you just you know what, it's no different to what North were during the 90s and during your successful or any North period that's been successful. If you've got a team that actually 
would actually the way that they play is just a mad um, mad attack on the footy. They're passionate and they'll just do anything for one another. Well, it's amazing the results you'll get out of you know, not just footy but just in life in general. Sure, sure, sure. Okay, I've got one last question for you. Are you hoping that your girls will get involved in the AFLW side as time goes on? <laughs> oh, look, <laughs> I, haven't even thought, I haven't even thought about it. The biggest thing that I think for me that and the girls know not to mess with me on this one, that when I hear of other players or dads that their, their, their kids don't follow the team that they played for, um, like the best thing for me is that my girls, they all support North Melbourne. Like they don't even, yeah. it's not even up for debate, which I think that in itself is a, is a pretty cool thing. So, um, <laughs> Zoe, 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 my oldest is, uh, I mean, she plays for Melbourne Tigers and so does Tia, the second eldest one. But look, if, if they decided to do it one day, I mean, great. All, all that you want is, uh, I mean, whatever they do, that they're successful and they love it. That you know, I mean, love what they do. But like I said, I mean, the coolest thing for me is, you know, I mean, when you hear of, I think Jonathan Brown's kid barracks for Carlton or something like that. Well, <laughs> I don't know what Brown, I don't know what Brownie was doing, but I, I just <laughs> have not even relented about, you know, when people say, oh, their, their granddad barracks for Adelaide and things like that, and go, no, nah, you don't even, don't even think about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. Um, that's all I've got. So, Ben, did you have anything else? No, that, that's it. We've asked him quite a few questions. So yeah. I'd, I'd like to thank you, Greg, obviously, for asking the questions. That's always helpful in one voice. <laughs> and finally, I'd like to thank the great Corey McKernan. I know you probably downplayed that a little bit for taking his time out of his busy schedule, but I'm absolutely honoured to chat with him tonight. No, that's all right, boys. Look, I, I wouldn't get... We can get too carried away. There's probably there's only probably one great at North Melbourne. I know it depends how you look at it. It's either whether you ask Wayne Carey and he says he's great himself, or um, <laughs> or whether you have look all the players. I think um, yeah. I mean, it wasn't just yeah. I think Dennis Pagan that made North Melbourne successful. It would have been Greg Miller, Jeff Walsh. Like yeah, I mean, it's like every successful period. Like we we're pretty lucky with the staff that we had at North Elm Footy Club, you know what I mean? Macca that used to stand in the circle and sing the song and, you know what I mean? So if you talk about the greats, it was the greats as a whole, you know what I mean? So it's not, it's embarrassing saying that I'm great because it was <laughs> Macca, Judy, Francis, the trainers, all these people that I mentioned, they were the things that made North Elm great. So. Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, it's us saying that you're great. So, I mean, you can agree with it if you like. <laughs> so... uh, I'll disagree with it. too humble way too humble all right yeah well i just wanted to echo ben's um sentiments thank you very much for replying i um when i originally sent you the twitter message it was sort of a hail mary i didn't really expect to get a response so thank you very much for that it really means a lot to us no that's all right no worries boys thanks mate thanks for that all right see ya yeah. Thanks for that, Corey. And now, just quickly, before we, you guys leave us, I'd just like to introduce a quick new segment called North Melbourne Stern Look Business Segment. So take it away, Greg. 
G'day, guys. Um, just wanted to basically start a new segment uh, to give um, a bit of a boost to North Melbourne people and businesses that they're running. Um, and our first business is Bonehead Brewing. Uh, well, based in Kensington, about a kilometre and a half away from Arden Street, they are working on opening a microbrewery slash tasting room Opening in late November, early December, so right in time for your Christmas parties or end-of-year parties, if you're not that way inclined. Um, Anthony um, is a poster, a long-time lurker, very, very occasional poster, NMFC 1869. Um, so when, when it does open in late November or early December, uh, go in and if you mention the stern look, you'll get a high five or a hug or something like that. <laughs> okay, guys. We can't promise Thanks. that. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Thanks for that, Greg. And thanks for listening, guys. Tune in for next year. This will be the last show for the year, so tune in for next year. And We will be up. As well, that Greg and sometimes I will be updating. So thanks, guys. And thanks, Greg. Okay, mate.